The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 290 for December 18th, 2011. The NTSB wants to ban cell phones while driving, Verizon launches the Galaxy Nexus, and SkyDrive comes to Windows Phone and the iOS. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. And first this week, our Samsung Galaxy Nexus reviews have gone live. Yes, I said Nexus reviews. Uh, we talked on the show last week about the unlocked GSM and HSPA version of the new Nexus, and the review went up on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, Verizon released their version of the device, and we got our hands on that one as well to check out how much difference there really was between the two. So uh, kind of going off of the the conversation we had at the beginning of the show last week, I'll just kind of sum up the unlocked, unbranded GSM HS uh, PA version of this device. And, and really it's to say, if you're looking for the most flexibility you can possibly get out of an Android device today, the, the Samsung Galaxy Nexus that is $700 is probably the best thing that you can get right now, whether it's T-Mobile... Uh, AT&T or some carrier around the world, you're going to be able to use it and you're going to get great speeds on whatever carrier uh, you have. So um, that said, um, it's very expensive and you're not going to be uh, saving any money by doing this, even if you get you know a prepaid plan or anything like that. It's, it's still a very expensive phone. Um, it is probably, though, the best Android experience that you can find. Ice Cream Sandwich is really nice uh, when it comes to, as far as Android standards are concerned. Uh, I think it's really uh, going to be fun to see what the new hardware, how that functions uh, with the new operating system over the next year. And uh, this is that device that everything is going to be measured against. This is the benchmark, if you will. So uh, I would say absolutely, if you want to stay on a GSM carrier, you've got the money to spend, uh, maybe you're mid-contract or you just don't like any of the offerings that your carrier have, uh, it's a good option if you want Android. It still doesn't have the materials that are used, uh, like what you have on the iPhone, which is just metal and glass. I mean, there's obviously a lot of plastic on this one. It still feels sturdy, but it's light and it does feel very Samsung-y, if that's a way that I can put it. Um, The operating system is good, but it's not iOS good. Um, I'm a big fan of iOS. I have been for a long time. Um, I feel like iOS is getting a little bit stale uh, just because it hasn't really changed much uh, in the general user interface over the past, what is it, four years now, almost five years. Uh, But that said, going to Android and, and using that for a while, I still come back to iOS and go, I still think this is a much more polished, smoother operating interface. Um, Android has come a long way. Don't get me wrong, especially if you don't like being tied down with the restrictions that Apple has. You don't like the fact that you can't uh, do certain things with it, you know, how customizable and and just how open Android is. is, um, You're going to really like Ice Cream Sandwich. And so... If you know if if the iPhone and Apple devices are just not what you you want, I would absolutely say that uh, Android is probably your next best bet, uh, and you're going to find a great device here in the Galaxy Nexus. And then also keep in mind, Ice Cream Sandwich is brand new. We've got you know, we've got you know a couple of little patches that have come out already, and they've only got room to improve. You know, we've got the initial builds; it, it will get better, and especially when we see four four dot one and a couple of other releases. I mean, it it will improve. Um, because this is the initial release and it, it is a big overhaul because it's integrating the tablet OS with the smartphone OS. So uh, it is quite a change, uh, at least fundamentally, with the operating system itself. 
Now, let me tie in the Verizon version into this as well, because uh, fundamentally, um, it's the same phone. Uh, it looks the same. If you put them side by side, you're not going to be able to, to tell a difference. However, flip it over, and uh, you're going to see that it's got the Verizon logo on the back of it. Uh, then also, if you put them side by side, you're going to see a little additional thickness, and you pick it up, and you're going to feel a little additional weight. It's not much. It's, um, it's about 15 additional grams in weight, and the thickness is not all that much either. It's, I don't know, something like 0.2... Uh, inches or something like that. It's not a whole lot. But what they've done is they've smoothed out um, the hump or the bump at the bottom of it, where uh, on the on the, the unlocked version, you've got a very thin phone up until about the last eighth of the device. And then you've got this bump on the bottom. And that's where the speaker is, the headphone jack, the micro USB port, the microphone, all of that kind of resides in the bottom. What they did with the Verizon version is they, they created the entire device thicker and so it, it, there's not as dramatic of a bump at the bottom of that. And, and I actually appreciate this. And I didn't think I would. I, I, you know, you hear, oh, it's a thicker device. And you think, well, you know, too bad for this phone. It's not going to go anywhere because it's thicker than the unlocked one. But here's the reality. It's a really big device. And I, I don't like how big the device is. I was not a fan of the size. I had a really hard time with it. I'm still having a hard time with it. But not nearly as much with what Verizon has done with it. They make it uh, fit more comfortably in your hand for the size of it. It also has a little bit of additional weight, like I mentioned. It's not a lot, but uh, with the size, the weight seems to make sense. And um, out of the two, if, if there were no other factors at, at play, I would say that the Verizon version is more comfortable to hold, and I would absolutely choose it over the GSM version. So that, that's the first thing of it is that it is a little bit heavier, though not real noticeably so, but, um, and the thickness is there that, that really makes it uh, more comfortable to hold. So that, that is probably the biggest thing to come out of this one is I actually used it and I was like, wow, this is not nearly as bad as what I thought it was, was going to be. And, and further, I actually like this one more. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I had, uh, I opened up my desk at work and there was the Palm Centro sitting there like, wow, that thing looks uh, foreign now because it's so different from the Nexus S. And I grabbed a hold of him like, oh, I like actually holding this. This is better than the Nexus S to hold on to because it, 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 it kind of fits in your hand. It, you know, it's, it's thicker. I mean, it's drastically thicker and it's not as wide and it's just, it, it just feels better to hold on to. So I can totally, uh, I totally relate to what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's a comfort level, I think, and it's just if you if you're holding it for a long period of time, um, it's maybe maybe the sides aren't as sharp because it's a little bit thicker. I'm not really sure what it is, but just general user experience. Um, I think if you're, you're you have generally average hands, which I do, you're going to find um, the added depth to be a, a welcome a welcome thing with it. So the next thing is the speed. So uh, with the unlocked version, I tried it on the T-Mobile network, and um, I was using a 3G 4G SIM card, so I did get 4G speeds, and that translated to uh, at a max usually about eight megabits per second on the download side which is still plenty fast but let me tell you uh, as with many lte devices the nexus screams on verizon i was very uh, very easy to be able to uh, to peg the needle if you will on uh, the speedtest.net app i um I regularly saw 21, 22, uh, I think even 23 megabits per second down. Uh, the upload speeds were well over 10 megabits per second. This is all with only two bars of service. So I can see if you're in, say, a relatively new area or an area that doesn't have as many users on it, you're going to see even better speeds. The latency was a little bit disappointing. I only saw on the almost 60 speed tests that I did over the time, um, only one that was under 100 milliseconds. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but there, there's some issue um, the other thing is, 
it's not just me. A lot of reviewers that have had this device have seen um, that the device is not nearly as strong RF-wise as other devices on the Verizon network. I found myself a lot more than I should being on the 3G network in areas that I know have 4G service. Um, again, I mentioned uh, I only had two bars on a lot of these speed tests. That was about as good as I could ever get was two bars of 4G service. Now, it's not to say that uh, you know I'm in, in an area that's got full 4G coverage, but I use an LTE stick uh, with Verizon on a regular basis. Um, I've got employees in my office that have the Droid Charge, the HUC Thunderbolt, uh, both with full service, for, full 4G service, um, even going in and checking uh, in the, the menus to check out the service. Um, this was regularly around a negative 100 dBm when it should have been in like negative 90. Um, so there was there's an issue there somewhere with the RF. And don't know if it's software or not yet. It could be just because it's a, a new device. This could have been the holdup as well. We just don't know at this point. But bottom line, when you've got LTE service and it works, it's really, really fast. You're going to be very excited about that. Mention the few hardware changes that are there. Um, I will say that pretty much everything else about this device um, is the same. The buttons on either on, on both sides, the volume rocker buttons and also the power button are a little bit more tactile than the unlocked version. Not sure what's going on there. Maybe it's the additional thickness just allowed for buttons to be a little bit different there. Camera um, is, is, is identical. You're not going to see any changes there. Software is identical, save for just a couple of Verizon-specific applications uh, that have been put on the device. And, and that's really not as big of a deal uh, as what it sounds like. They are easy to pull off. All you have to do is go in and uh, change the settings uh, for uh, basically to remove them in the app settings for Verizon Backup Assistant and the My Verizon mobile application. You'll never see them again, and it's really no big deal. Um, $300 is what this device costs. And uh, when I first thought about that, I said, well, you know what, it's $100 more than the iPhone. So uh, I, I think it's a little bit priced a little bit too high. But uh, thinking about it, then this is a 32 gig uh, internal uh, storage model. So this is the at the exact same price point as the 32 gig model uh, of the iPhone on Verizon. So you're talking apples to apples, no pun intended, literally here. Uh, and uh, so it, again, if you want the latest hardware, you don't want to go with an iOS device with with an iPhone. Um, this is a really good choice to make. I have a very hard time right now recommending anything else um, that that a customer buys anything else other than this on Verizon, just because I. I you know, I know what ice cream sandwich can do. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know when it's going to be coming to any other device, if at all. Um, if you bought one of the more recent devices like the HTC Resound uh, or the Droid Razor, I think you're probably OK and I think you're going to see it soon. Um, but boy, anything else other than that, it's really hard to recommend right now. Well, and soon is February, March. So right. and any time after that, I mean, it, it's going to be pushing, you know, second uh, second quarter. Um, I, it, it's, it's going to be a while. Uh, I, I know the, uh, manufacturers are, you know, working as fast as they can to get it out to their current you know, customers to keep them happy. But then again, you know, their priorities are on new devices and new equipment. So, uh, it, it's always kind of the luck of the draw with, uh, existing upgrades. So should we give a bottom line real quick? I suppose, um, I didn't talk about it. I haven't not really talked about it. That unlocked model that I had, yep, already sold it. <laughs> so I do not have that one. I call this the curse of the Nexus. I owned two Nexus Ones. I reviewed the Nexus S. I've now owned and sold the Galaxy Nexus. I've got the second review model or second Galaxy Nexus here already. Review model here from Verizon. That's got to go back this week. Um, so I do I do not own one myself. Um, and this one has got to go back this week. And honestly, I, I 
if I were to switch over to Verizon, um, if this was something that I, I really wanted to do right now, this would be the device that I would buy. But um, at the same time, um, there's one big thing, and that's still the size of it. It fits somewhere in between uh, the the right size smartphone uh, that I think is out there on the market today, which is somewhere around a four inch device and a tablet. And so unfortunately, when I want something bigger than my iPhone, I want a tablet. I don't want another inch on my smartphone. I want a full tablet. And so this was very hard to use one-handed. Uh, granted, the Verizon version is easier, but it's still not as good as I, I think an iPhone as far as one-handed usage. Um, I'm kind of a high energy person, kind of go, go, go all the time. And so if I have to pull and use my phone with two hands, um, you've lost me. And it's not a device that I'm going to want to use on a regular basis. If that doesn't matter to you, then this is probably going to be a better device for you. If you're looking for a bigger screen, you've got more screen real estate and just generally um, a, a very nice experience. Android is caught up here with iOS, I think, in many respects. And you're not going to be feeling like, oh, well, if only I had an iPhone now. Well, and then that's, of course, the other recommendation I'm, I'm sure you'd make is, you know, go for this or the iPhone uh, as far as devices overall go. Um, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it really is two different worlds and they, they vary so much, uh, even though they, they pretty much accomplish the same task, there's, uh, you know, a drastic difference between the two. So it's a, you know, that's a, the clear winners on Verizon right now. Yep. And, uh, I, I will say that, you know, from a market share perspective, we're going to get into that in just a minute here. There is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to be said about what is going on with Android. I mean, we're, we're well into the, the 50% now of, of folks that are out there that are choosing Android over anything else. And so, um, if you want to have that experience, uh, of the true, you know, Google, how they intended for their operating system to be, this is the way to go. Um, we're going to move on here, but before we do, I do want to mention that, um, in the future here, I'm actually going to be talking a little bit about windows phone a little bit more. Um, I've got the HD seven, which is uh, a year old device, uh, but, uh, still nonetheless, still very solid hardware. Uh, it's running windows phone 7.5 mango and I'm going to be testing this one out here uh, over the next couple of weeks. So a little bit of a hiatus on Android stuff here and looking into Windows Phone a little bit more because it's something that it's been a year since I've looked at it. Mango's out now, and I'm trying to get a get a sense of how this one is going to fit in to uh, how 2012 is going to go. And uh, so far, uh, it's all right. It's, it's not bad. Uh, it's better than what it used to be, uh, but I'm not so sure about it yet. So uh, stay tuned for more on that. First in the news this week, though, Samsung's president, J.K. Shin, on Sunday announced for the first time in the company's history, annual sales of cell phones have now topped 300 million units. Phone sales in 2012 are expected to hit, uh, excuse me, 2011 hit 280 million, and they expect well over 300 million uh, to come on here in 2012. Samsung reported smartphone shipments totaling 27.9 million units last quarter, making it the number one smartphone vendor in the world by shipment volume. Well, federal accident investigators at the NTSB on Tuesday recommended that a nationwide ban of the use of cell phones and text messaging devices be implemented while driving. The recommendation calls for all 50 states and Washington, D.C. to ban the non-emergency use of portable electronic devices other than those designated to support the driving task uh, for all drivers. So the safety recommendation also urges the use of the NHTSA model of high visibility enforcement to support these bans and implementation of targeted communication campaigns to inform motorists of the new law and heightened enforcement. Now, this would have to be adopted by the states in order to actually mean anything. And if so, the new laws would outlaw non-emergency phone calls and texting by operators of every vehicle on the road. It would apply to hands-free as well as hands 
handheld devices. The only restriction or caveat to that is it does not apply to vehicle manufacturer installed hands-free systems or passengers in the vehicle. So this means if you've got a Bluetooth headset, no go. If you've got that headset that comes in the box, that wired headset that comes with your phone, no go. Can't use it. If you buy a Bluetooth uh, speaker and install it in your car, no go. You have to get one that's installed directly by the vehicle manufacturer. Yeah, quite a draconian uh, recommendation compared to what we currently have. I mean, I can understand, you know, why this recommendation came around. I, I, I can understand, you know, that this is uh, distracting to many people to be able to, uh, you know, either place calls, talk on the phone. And, and every person's individual response varies. And it really depends on who you're talking to, what the conversation is. It's so, you know, it, it's so variable that it's real tough to say, okay, well, you can do this and this and that. And that's why they're recommending this. this. This makes sense. But it doesn't make sense at all if you really take a step back and say, okay, well, got to ban coffee drinking for sure. Got to ban chocolate bars because you try to clean those up when you drop it. Got to ban eating and food. Got to ban putting makeup on. You got to ban putting this on. Got to ban. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Got to ban talking to your passenger. What if your wife annoys you when you're driving? I mean, all these things go on that you better make that illegal. So you get out of control. And as we talked about before, Mickey, when we first started getting these SMS laws coming into place, we already have this. It's called distracted driving. I think most states have this or inattentive driving. There's two different levels even, you know, here in Minnesota. This is already covered. If an officer witnessed you doing something silly, like looking at your phone and, and swerving around, they can pull you over for that already and give you a citation for this. What is the point to this? And I really, really want to want to know why we have to go through all this exercise for something like this. So it, it is something that uh, I don't know if anything will ever come of this and we'll just have to wait and see. Well, and I look at it from a you know a, a different perspective. Of course, I like to I like to see the law and, and say, OK, this is something that, you know, we're going to start at this point, you know, whether it's really, really high or really, really low, we're going to take kind of the, the maximum you know, what we can figure out here. And that is banning all uses of all phones by, you know, every driver on the street unless, and then let's, let's start kind of peeling back those layers and and figure it out from there. Um, I agree that holding a phone is much more distracting than using it on speakerphone. Um, I guess I'm one of those fortunate people who has a vehicle manufacturer installed hands-free system in their car, so I would not be impacted by that. However, I do use my phone for streaming music in the car and so, and listening to podcasts and listening to music on the phone. I don't use the radio and I don't find because I have the phone mounted uh, up on the corner uh, kind of where the, the a pillar a pillar and uh, that's where the phone is and literally my left hand is right there. It's easy to change you know stations. It's easy to do this. It's not any more distracting than reaching over to my right side and changing the you know the volume or the station on the radio. So I, I, I feel like again like you mentioned Joey it's it's a little bit too much uh, but I am I'm very interested to see how this all plays out. Yeah, and it could come down to recommendations and funding also. You know, uh, the federal government was was holding back aid for states that did not enact the 0.08 uh, uh, DWI laws. And something like that could come around is my my gut feeling on this. I think that would be the only power that would, would come of that to, to push states towards this. Obviously, this will take some time to enact. And really, there are more important things going on in, in Congress at the moment than to worry about this particular issue, because most of this should already be covered, as I mentioned. And yeah, exactly. Outlaw radios. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. adjusting in volume knobs 
jobs and all that and cars as well. I mean, cause that's all distracting. So, I mean, where do you stop? And, and it's, it is tough. And it, of course you should really be ta- paying attention to what you're doing while you're driving. Obviously holding a phone is, is a, is a hard one. Um, I, I get why they're doing that. Uh, it's really, I think there are other, uh, components to it. I think the texting, emailing, um, really interacting with your phone in your hand, you know, you're holding it down. You're not paying attention to the road. That's really where it gets to be very, very bad. Um, but so many distractions in the car. Yeah. How do you know? Um, yeah, we'll have to just see how this one plays out. I, I think Joey's probably right though. It's probably not going to pass, uh, in the way that it's been being presented right now. Well, the NPD group on Wednesday published its October 2011 report on U.S. smartphone statistics. The group states that Android and iOS have extended their lead in the U.S. smartphone market share, while RIM, Microsoft, and others have dropped dramatically. Through the third quarter, Android represents 53% of all U.S. smartphones, with Apple now at 29%. RIM has dropped to 10%, and Windows Phone as a whole is at 5%. The biggest takeaways from the report include 10% growth in market share from the end of 2010 for Android, 38% overall growth for iOS, and a nearly 60% decline for BlackBerry. In a separate research note this week from Nielsen, though, they announced smartphone penetration in the U.S. has jumped from 18% to 44% in just the last two years. Smartphone penetration has grown across all age groups. The young adults remain the most likely to own a smartphone. 53% of U.S. smartphone users aged 18 to 24 uh, and 64% of those aged 25 to 34 now own smartphones, according to Nielsen. RIM on Thursday reported its Q3 2011 earnings, including a miss on revenue guidance and the news that BlackBerry 10 devices won't be out until the second half of 2012. The news of the BlackBerry 10 smartphone delay is significant as RIM had announced devices running the new OS available early in the year. Lazaridis clarified the timeline, saying that they're putting a new new dual-core LTE chip in the BlackBerry 10 devices that won't be available until mid-2012. Hence, it will be later in the year before the devices are ready to ship. And don't even look for it then. I think, you know, BlackBerry has been so awful with meeting their, you know, self-imposed deadlines that I, I don't think we'll see this before the second half of 2013 now that they've said this because it's just uh, every time they say something, add a year plus on every one of their announcements and it's it's going to be to the point where they're going to have to actually start over from scratch by the time they get this out the door because it'll be so uh, antique by the time they get it out compared to what the, you know, where the market is going and how fast it's moving and changing. There was a little bit of uh, time or period or thought, I guess, at one point when I thought, you know, hey, we actually may see some BlackBerry 10 devices at CES. I, there's no chance now. We're going to see nothing from them um, other than maybe, you know, some incremental BlackBerry 7 devices that, that get announced. But I don't even know what we're expecting at this point. No, I don't. I think uh, if we go back to the roadmap that we had talked about almost last year now with uh, the current devices, like we've seen the Bold and Touch and the Apollo, the, the you know, the Curve Touch, all those are out now. So, you know, yeah, we may see a slight refresh on some handsets. Uh, maybe with a little bit of bump in processor speed, probably. But, uh, you know, the current crop of 7.1 devices will be uh, that'll take us into the next year. And then we'll see the what beta or the, the version 2.0 of the playbook OS. And that and that will be it. 
Yeah, that's true. We will see that. Well, going back to those earnings, they announced uh, a miss on the third quarter guidance of 5.3 to 5.6 billion, coming in at only 5.2 billion. Smartphone shipments, however, did meet the guidance. They hit 14.1 billion for the period. The sell-through rate, however, did miss only at 13 million units. The company shipped 150,000 playbooks in the quarter, down from 200,000 in the second quarter and 500,000 in the first quarter. Lazaridis said that RIM remains committed to the playbook and the tablet market, despite the difficulties with the rollout of the playbook. RIM forecasted smartphone shipments of 11 to 12 million units in the fourth quarter. Now, net income took a big hit as well. They dropped uh, to $285 million. That's down from almost $1 billion in the same period in 2010. The global subscriber base grew to 75 million customers, which is up 30% over 2010. Now, in response to the income drop, co-CEOs Jim Balsilli and Mike Lazaridis both said they would reduce their salaries to $1 for the next year. Shares of RIM stock were down to below $14 per share in after-hours trading. Now, if you've lost, sold, or had your iPhone stolen recently, you may still be sending and receiving iMessages from your Apple ID even after wiping it. In an article by Ars Technica, they detail reports from the last few months where devices have gone missing and started to send and receive messages from the non-owner. It's not clear why this is happening, and Apple has yet to acknowledge the issue, but the only real way to solve the issue is to currently completely deactivate your Apple ID, something which, of course, most people are not willing to do, as it results in all app, music, and video purchases disappearing. Now, Joey, you found this story, and I find this uh, pretty pretty shocking and pretty rough. Uh, you know, I've had actually one device that I was running uh, the iOS 5 on it and had iMessages coming into it, and I've already sold that. But um, I, I do not believe that person, that because I, I know that person, has, has received any of my messages. But it's a little scary to uh, realize that, you know, say you have your phone stolen, which tons of iPhones get stolen every single day, uh, your messages could still be going to that device even after you uh, wipe it and or switch it over to a new device. And I know we came across an issue, I don't remember if it was a story or some, a personal experience, where somebody was having issues like this where the, the iMessages weren't coming through because there's no way to change your uh, device with Apple once it's registered. So I think that we've got, uh, I think Apple's got a little bit of work on their hands here to get this uh, a little bit more transparent for uh, changing uh, phone numbers and, and, of course, doing wipes and, and, and how this needs to be handled. So I'm sure it'll be taken care of, but it's definitely something to watch out for. Uh, indeed. Well, the FCC on Thursday approved the Pantech P9070 handset for AT&T. That specifically includes the use of LTE in the 850 megahertz band. <clears throat> this is the first device to have LTE outside of the 700 and 1700 megahertz band found in AT&T devices released to date. The 850 band inclusion could mean that if the T-Mobile merger fails to materialize, the refarming of the spectrum for LTE could fall into this range. AT&T currently has GSM and UMTS deployments in the 850 and 1900 megahertz bands though not both in each market. So what that means is depending on where you are in the country, you may or may not have 850 megahertz uh, that's being used for your AT&T service. Uh, here in Phoenix, as an example, we do not. It's all on 1900. So uh, this could or could not mean anything depending on where you are around the country. Cox Communications and Verizon Wireless on Friday announced that Verizon would purchase its 20 megahertz block of AWS Spectrum in that 1700 megahertz band for $315 million. The sale comes with an agreement for each company to resell the other's residential and commercial services. The Spectrum covers 26 million pops around the country. The deal is subject to regulatory approval before becoming official. Timo News this week reported on a forum post from Howard Forms 
That leads us to believe T-Mobile is starting deployments of HSPA on the 1900 megahertz PCS band. In the post, some unlocked iPhones with a T-Mobile SIM are picking up 3G HSPA service, uh, and since T-Mobile's current 3G and 4G network is being built exclusively on the 1700 megahertz AWS spectrum, it appears that the 8 megabit per second speed tests indicate a new deployment. Timo News also points out a recent Timo device that is capable of supporting 1900 megahertz 3G. So this kind of interested me, and I read it, and I went, you know, this could be a whole bunch of hooey. Uh, it could be just absolutely, you know, mean nothing, uh, especially seeing ping times of 55 milliseconds. It could be someone who did a speed test, then went in and, you know, say, shut off their their Wi-Fi, or, you know, done something crazy just to make the screenshot look official. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering it, really how far off it is, because... Yes, they've only de- deployed uh, HSPA currently in the 1700 megahertz band. Um, but the fact that they've got uh, this 1900 megahertz spectrum that's available to them, and they're currently running uh, edge services on it, there's going to be a point where they don't really need to have the edge running there anymore. So you've got uh, you know an area that's covered nicely by edge, and you can start to cross uh, you know have some of that stuff available on the other spectrum there. And yes, it would be really really nice to have one piece of spectrum here that works and. Those that are international as well would love it because then if you come and roam onto T-Mobile, your device, as long as it has 1900 megahertz support, would then work on T-Mobile's 3G. Yeah, exactly. And and, and yeah, once we've got more and more 3G devices out there capable, uh, yeah, the need for Edge and GSM uh, goes down because the more more and more people have 3G capable devices. So you just, you know, you reach a point where there'll only be a handful of stragglers that have just you know, edge only or, you know, 2G devices out there. Keep in mind, uh, T-Mobile is one of the, the biggest proponents of calling uh, their HSPA deployments 4G, and they are actually working on an 84 megabit per second deployment. Uh, they are currently are doing 42 megabits per second. They're going to be upping that to 84 here within the next year uh, in certain markets. And so um, they're going to need the extra spectrum. They're going to need every single bit of it that they can possibly get their hands on. So uh, this could potentially actually mean something and could be very, very cool for those that like to use uh, AT&T uh, specific devices and want to bring them over to T-Mobile and then be able to get the 3G services for them. And finally, in the news this week, Rogers on Monday announcing its LTE service is live in metro areas surrounding Toronto and Vancouver. Rogers says the network will cover 30% of all Canadians by the end of the year. Well, you can help support the cell phone junkie and the work we do here each week by signing up for TCPJ Unlocked. The Unlocked podcast is our bi-monthly premium show. $5 a month, $12 a quarter, or $45 a year will help us and give you in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link for TCPJ Unlocked. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. Now, on the Unlocked show this week, we talked about why LTE is faster than HSPA, what's happening with today's 4G offerings, and we also asked the question, is the tablet going to kill your big screen TV? how uh, all of the screens in our lives are all playing a part and uh, really what is going to happen here with that one that you've got sitting in your living room. This is a very interesting discussion that we had this week. That was episode number 99. Number 100 will be coming up here in just a week as our year-end show continues. Uh, In devices this week, UK mobile phone carrier O2 announced that they would be offering a new option for customers 
the leasing of their phones. Starting with the iPhone 4S, the carrier is offering a one-year lease that allows customers to rent the phone as part of the monthly tariff. No money for the device up front. 55 pounds a month, that's about $86, will get you the 16-gig iPhone 4S, 750 minutes, unlimited text messaging, 500 megs of data, tethering, phone insurance, and unlimited access to the O2 Wi-Fi hotspots in the UK. The 32-gig model will be an additional 10 pounds a month with the same monthly offerings. Now, once your lease is up, you'll be required to give back the phone in good condition or pay to buy it. Now, I really thought this was kind of a unique thing and, and not something that I had ever really thought of doing. Uh, but, you know, you lease a lot of things in life, and uh, sometimes it's it's because you want to get something new every couple of years. And boy, what else do you want new than your phone? And so if you don't you know, have to shell out $200, $300 up front and you can actually just have that built in to your monthly tariff, why not? I actually think this is a pretty good idea. Yeah, this almost seems to make more sense than leasing cars, even though you've got... Uh uh, you know, these devices, they come out so fast, they, they make cars look like they're standing still as far as refinements and changes go per model year. So it is, it, it's an interesting model. Um, you know, obviously it's not for everybody, but it, it's nice to have a choice. I like it a lot, actually. I would probably jump on this if I was, you know, uh, had the opportunity just because I'm someone who after a year, I, I, my phone is, I'm, I'm done with it. You know, I do not want to hold on to it for much longer than that. And, you know, if I can do this for a year and then, you know, pay extra 10 bucks a month or whatever it is for the year, um, you know, that's only $120. And at the end of that point, I'm going to be ready to buy something new anyway. The phone that I bought has depreciated well over $120 over that period. And so it just kind of makes sense. So I'm interested to see if this is actually going to take off and everyone's going to do it. Uh, And then, you know, further, if we're going to have the option to do it here in the States. But uh, O2 uh, starts off the trend. Uh, You heard it here first. Nokia on Thursday announced the Lumia 710 running Windows Phone 7 Mango and coming soon to T-Mobile. Announced in October, the Lumia 710 will run HSPA at 14.4 megabits per second and considered a 4G by T-Mobile. Specs include a 1.4 gigahertz Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, a 3.7-inch clear black display, a 5-megapixel camera capable of uh, recording 720p HD video at 30 frames per second, 512 megs of RAM, 8 gigs of storage, and a 1300 milliamp hour battery. Now, the 710 comes preloaded with Nokia Drive, the Weather Channel, ESPN, Netflix, App Highlights, T-Mobile TV, My Account, Slacker Radio, and Telenav GPS. The device is available in black or white for $50 after a $50 mail-in rebate card and a new two-year agreement. That starts on January 11th. So, um, I was secretly hoping that they were going to actually be launching the Lumia 800, uh, you know, and then they come out with the 710. And yes, I guess it makes sense. You know, T-Mobile is kind of a low cost provider. Yeah, they've got the 4G services. But, you know, as far as the, the cost per per user, this is probably the best value uh, when you go with a you know carrier like T-Mobile. And so it makes sense that they would come out with a budget Windows phone device. But I don't know. I, I was a little disappointed with this. The specs didn't didn't wow me. And, and again, I was really hoping for the 800. But, you know, Windows phone, uh, the exclusive 4G Windows Phone coming to T-Mobile. Well, and right now we've got such a little market share for Windows Phone. There's really not much of a point to release the super high-end phone right now in the U.S. because there's just nobody would pick it up anyways and they'd see the price and it would turn off most people. So really, if we want anybody to end up with Windows Phone 7, I think the the budget uh, device is the way to go right now. Uh, what is it? The, uh, the Radar 4G? Um Actually, that's 4G as well, isn't it? I don't know why I was thinking that this was the the exclusive 4G device, but you've got the Radar 4G, I guess, as well, which is a Windows phone device. And I'm not sure, 
That, that I think that one's fifty bucks as well. Um, so you know they're kind of coming in with these Windows phones on T-Mobile uh, as a relatively budget price point. If you want something a little bit higher end, you kind of have to move up to Android. Obviously, there's no iPhone. I, BlackBerry, for whatever reason, is what three hundred bucks for the bold ninety nine thirty or ninety nine hundred for them. I don't know why you would pick that one up, uh, other than you really are a BlackBerry fan. Um, but three hundred dollars for that, I think, is way overpriced, especially when you can get devices like these for only fifty dollars on contract. So either way, uh, it will be coming out mid January, a little bit late. Totally missing the holiday season, but nonetheless coming to T Mobile. CNET on Monday reported that AT&T and Verizon are testing a 4G LTE-enabled version of the Lumia 800. Reports have pointed to a 2012 release of the device in the U.S., but it seems that some updates of the software, including Windows Phone Tango, could bring with it LTE support as well. Rumored specs at this point include a 1.4 GHz processor, 4.3-inch clear black AMOLED display, and an 8-megapixel camera. Verizon on Thursday, as we mentioned, released the Samsung Galaxy Nexus, available online and in retail stores for $300 with new agreement. The launch of the Nexus was timed to coincide with Verizon's expansion of LTE coverage to 200 million pops across the U.S. Thursday marked the launch of 11 new markets, including Dover, Delaware, Lafayette, Indiana, Fitchburg and Leo Minister, Massachusetts, Duluth and Rochester in St. Cloud, Minnesota, Manchester and Nashua, New Hampshire, Poughkeepsie, New York, fin- uh, Findlay and Tiffin and Youngstown and Warren, Ohio and Indiana, Pennsylvania. LG on Wednesday announced its next generation Prada device, the LG Prada 3.0. Specs on the Android device include a 4.3 inch Nova Plus TFT LCD display with Gorilla Glass, 800 by 480 resolution, a 1 gigahertz dual core processor, 8 megapixel camera, 1080p video, a 1540 milliamp hour battery, 8 gigs of storage, NFC, Bluetooth, HSPA Plus radios, and Android 2.3.7. The device will hit retailers in January. And following the announcement last week that the Droid Razor would be coming in white this month, Verizon released the device on Thursday. Available in stores and online, the device is $300 on contract, and Verizon is offering $100 off the purchase of a Droid Zyboard if you get the two devices together. Well, this show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. If you want everything that this show has to offer in an application, you can pick it up for either your Android or iPhone, and it allows you to view PDF documents and show notes from every single show, as well as listen to the shows online or offline. You can cache them on your device, as well as listening to uh, the shows. You can also follow the show's Twitter feed, email the show or call the show directly from the app. If you're looking to experience everything that this show has to offer, this application is for you. A lot of software here this week. Jumping right in. Apple seeding iOS 5.1 beta 2 to developers this week. And uh, the only interesting thing that came out of this, and the reason it's worth mentioning, is that uh, the, the users that have installed it have now reported that you can actually delete single photos out of your photo stream on your device. And uh, this is something you have not up until this point been able to do. You had to log into iCloud previously, and then you could delete your entire uh, photo stream library. Now you can do individual pictures one by one. This is a pretty big feature. The number of screenshots that I've got uploaded into my photo stream, which then get downloaded onto my iPad, which then get downloaded onto my Mac. It's it's ridiculous. I, I you know this is something that has 
been well needed. And so I'm really glad they've been able to do this. Of course, you're not going to be able to do it unless you're a developer. Uh, and this will probably not be out until sometime late January, I would imagine. Uh, but uh, something to look forward to. Hopefully they keep that feature in there. Microsoft on Tuesday released a SkyDrive application for mobile devices coming to Windows Phone and the iPhone. The application lets users access all their items in their SkyDrive accounts. Microsoft offers 25 gigabytes of free storage in accounts, though they have a 100 megabyte per file limit. The app allows for viewing, saving, and uploading of files to their accounts along with the sharing of the files via a link over email. The app is free and available in the iTunes App Store or Windows Marketplace. Now, uh, I, I mentioned this one because I, I really got excited about this. Now, SkyDrive, if you don't know, like I mentioned, 25 gigs of free storage. Uh, it does have a 100 megabyte per file limit. So if you're someone who's looking for a really big amount of storage, but you have a lot of big, you know, multi-gigabyte files, this is not, you know, for you. But here's what I love using with this. This is the perfect photo backup location. Um, it's it's almost archival in nature because you're going to drag all of your files uh, over to it and really just leave them there. Whereas Dropbox is kind of, uh, you know, you're, you upload files, but then it, they're on every device. Synchronizes. That synchronizing. Yeah, it pulls it down for everything. Exactly. This is totally different. This allows you to just kind of dump stuff on it. And what's more, um, there's a, an application called SD Explorer that you can get for Windows devices, or excuse me, Windows computers. Uh, so if you've got Windows 7 or XP or whatever, you can download this application. It's a, uh, what do you call it, Windows Explorer plugin that allows you to then mount your SkyDrive um, as a drive and access all 25 gigs. And it is perfect. It's really about the only thing I use a Windows computer for anymore at home here. Uh, and so I, I love it. I, I take all of my files, throw them onto my SkyDrive. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit to get them up there. But once they're there, they're there. And guess what? Then I've got access to all of those. I can go in, I can view the photos, I can, you know, email them, I can do whatever. It's a really great option. Um, it's free. If you've got a Hotmail account, you can go sign up for a Hotmail account, you can get an, a, get 25 gigs for free. You sign up for another Hotmail account, by the way, they'll give you another 25 gigs free. So all of these free uh, accounts that you have, you can get 25 gigs of storage with each of them. It's really nice. And I'm really glad that they finally have an iOS application out for it. Netflix on Wednesday released an update to its universal iOS application. The 2.0 update brings in a new UI, addresses stability issues, and makes it compatible with new Latin American streaming services. The app is free but requires a monthly subscription to the Netflix streaming service. So then shortly after this, they updated the iOS app to uh, 2.0.1, which really helped because there was issues with authorization and videos would just stop. Uh, You'd hit play and it would get to the first zero seconds and then it would end like the show was done um it 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 brought the new uh cover based interface that they launched on android a little bit ago um and it's it's been on their website for a bit on some of the uh other netflix players hardware wise like the western digital that i have that has this interface now so it it brought up a, a nice clean interface to interact with uh netflix on ios also, Android version was updated this week with some bug fixes for uh, ice cream sandwich. Also, on my HP touchpad that I have the Android uh, Cyanogen Mod 7 installed on, it actually really uh, improved playback uh, of the Netflix on that uh, Alpha 3.5 that I've got on there now. So uh, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, Netflix updates this week. 
It's uh, it's really great to see these because I think Netflix is probably one of the killer apps, um, especially on you know on the iOS. Of course, it first came out for the iPad back in in 2010, uh, and and now we've we've seen it here kind of explode and, and really make it make its way to everything. And on all these beautiful screens that we have, what better thing to do than to watch a video? So it's great to see uh, it's continually being updated, uh, and including of course those updates for Android as well this week. You know, it really is a killer app for me, Mickey. It's one of my primary uh, sources of the iPad and now maybe more so the touchpad now that I've got, uh, you know, the, the, the Android hacked on there. So it's, uh, it's definitely an app that I uh, really, really use quite a bit. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Netflix. I currently do not have a subscription. Um, I'm on suspended right now, I think is what they call it. Um, I'm not watching a lot of TV uh, anyway. Life is a little preoccupied. 11-week-old baby. You get the idea? Anyway. Moving on here, Google on Tuesday updating the Gmail app for the iOS. New features include the ability to set a custom mobile signature, vacation responses, and sound changes, as well as support for nested labels and simple sketching. Google also said they will be adding banner notifications, multiple logins, and send as abilities in future updates. The app is free and available in the iTunes App Store. Now, I was really excited to get this uh, update because, of course, uh, you can now do uh, you know some additional things with this. But you know the things that they said that they were going to be bringing, you know, the banner notifications, multiple logins, send as abilities. Those are really what I care about. Um, you know, the sketching client. I sent Joey uh, a simple sketch uh, from it uh, as an attachment to one of the emails I sent when I tested this out. And uh, I really wish they wouldn't have taken the time to add that in because and, and, I, I think something like a multiple login uh, feature is much more important than having simple sketching clients. But maybe that's just me. Anyway, uh, it's good to see, though, that they are updating it for the iPhone and uh, making it much more like how Gmail should be on the device iTunes Match on Wednesday started rolling out to markets outside of the U.S. Users in the U.K., Europe, Australia, and New Zealand all confirmed they were able to sign up for accounts. Users in the U.K. paying £21.99 for the service, while Europeans were paying $24.99 and Australian users $34.99 Australian. Then... On Thursday, Apple began issuing refunds for those that had signed up for the service in countries outside of the U.S. and Brazil, stating that the launch was premature. However, later in the day, the U.K. iTunes store was updated with a new link. And subscriptions can then again be purchased for £21.99. iTunes Match allows users to access their entire iTunes collection in the cloud, enabling playback and downloading of songs to the user's library of any connected device. What a debacle this was this week. But ultimately, they got it sorted out, and you can now internationally sign up for iTunes Match. Facebook updated for the iPhone application on Sunday. Version 4.1 brought timeline support along with access to friends lists and subscriptions. The update is free and available in the iTunes App Store. Google on Friday released an update for Ice Cream Sandwich, bringing the OS to version 4.0.3. That includes optimizations, bug fixes, and a few new APIs for developers. The first is Social Stream. It keeps social network updates, photos, and posts up to date with the person's contact data on the device. Calendar lets users add color and events to alter the type of attendee. Camera controls, including video stabilization and accessibility tools such as screen readers, round out the API changes. Google is calling this the base version of Ice Cream Sandwich that third parties will be pushing out to production phones and tablets in the weeks ahead. The new software is available on the Android developer website. 
Skype for Android was updated on Tuesday, offering the ability to share photos, videos, and other files with Skype contacts. Other changes in the app include video quality improvements and the ability to use the app on the Droid Razor and the Droid 4. The app is a free update in the Android market. Google on Wednesday updated Google Plus for Android, bringing the ability to initiate Hangouts from the phone. The revised app will be in the Android market within the next few days. Adobe updated Flash Player 11 on Thursday, now with support for Ice Cream Sandwich. The version is a free download in the Android market. And in other ICS news, like Joey mentioned, Netflix was updated to its watch instantly service was now working on Android 4.0 on Thursday. I think you did mention that, Joey, but I did want to bring that up again. These were the two big updates this week. It was nice finally to be able to use Flash on Ice Cream Sandwich. I do think it works decently. Uh, I was able to go into the Cell Phone Junkie and uh, pull up a streaming podcast directly from the site embedded into the post. So that was pretty nice. I did enjoy doing that. When I saw that this week, I actually checked on my uh, Nexus S and I don't have Flash installed and I've never needed it. And I'm going to continue to not install it if, uh, if I can, I guess, because I guess I don't really miss it. I would totally agree with you, except that I had a review device and I said, what the heck? I don't care what I installed on this. So anyway, it does work. Uh, After that one test, I have not used it anymore. But anyway, Google on Tuesday announcing they're extending their free Gmail Google voice calling through 2012. Users can make voice calls through enabled Gmail accounts to the U.S. or Canada for free with calls to other countries at very low rates. Telenav on Wednesday announced a new GPS navigation service running over HTML5 and provided for free. The browser-based service provides a voice-guided turn-by-turn directions and many other features included in the native app. The service is being provided for free, but requires a browser with HTML5 support. It is expected to go live in early 2012. Microsoft on Tuesday confirmed that it is actively investigating a bug in Windows Phone that allows an SMS message to disable the messaging app, reboot the phone, and then never allow access to messaging again. Greg Sullivan at Microsoft says, We are aware of the issue and our engineering teams are examining it now. Once we have more details, we will take appropriate action to help ensure customers are protected. The exact method, though, on how to execute the exploit has not been revealed. Until now, the Galaxy Nexus was the only device to officially be running Android 4.0 Ice Cream Sandwich. However, a couple of updates this week came out. First, the Huawei Honor gets the official Ice Cream Sandwich update released as a free update. It's 150 megabytes in size. That's less than a month. And amazingly, the first device after a Nexus device to get the update is the Huawei Honor. And then on Friday, uh, Google announced that the Nexus S would be upgraded to Ice Cream Sandwich. The phased release will start with GSM models, followed by CDMA models in the next few weeks. Google anticipates all Nexus S handsets to have the update within a month. Well, an update to the Motorola Droid Bionic began rolling out on Tuesday, addressing multiple issues. According to the release, fixes include stability and laptop dock patches, as well as the ability uh, for, excuse me, updates for email and messaging, as well as the increase in the number of mobile hotspots that can be used up to eight. Uh, the update can be found through menu settings about phone and system update. It'll be pushed out to all users within the next couple of weeks. And the T-Mobile Samsung Galaxy S2 updated on Thursday, bringing the device to Android. Android 2.3.5 
bug fixes for caller ID, battery life, and Wi-Fi calling are included. Uh, the update pushed out over the air. The AT&T version of the Galaxy S2 also received an update, bringing it to version 2.3.6. No word, though, on what's included in that update. And Sprint on Thursday began rolling out BlackBerry OS 7.1 to the Bold 9930 and Torch 9850. The update is being done over the air. The biggest feature is the addition of the mobile hotspot functionality. And finally, the HTC Thunderbolt received an update on Friday. The update has a number of bug fixes, and it can be downloaded through Settings Software Update. Well, a lot of questions this week as well. The first one comes to us from Anton. He says, hey, Mickey, just listen to show number 289, and I have a question about Sprint. Is it really the case that they're allocating 800 megahertz for LTE? I recall a keynote when Dan Hesse promised to move CDMA to 800 megahertz to improve voice quality, while LTE was supposed to go to the 1900 megahertz band. Yet another incompatible LTE band to moan about. If they change their minds and what you say is now true, that it'd only be super awesome in terms of LTE coverage quality. We all know that the lower frequencies mean better coverage, uh, but would also make Sprint the only U.S. carrier to provide roaming for Europeans. See European 800 megahertz band they've allocated for LTE across multiple countries consisting of the uh, 791 to 821 megahertz for uplink and 832 to 862 megahertz for downlink. Also, the U.S. IDEN spectrum for Sprint is planning for a reuse that's 806 to 824 megahertz for the uplink and 851 to 869 for the downlink. There's definitely overlap, and if Sprint is really building LTE 800, it's a major ray of hope for those across the very dark, gloomy skies. Anton in Moscow. He also says, P.S. I've been thinking a lot about mobile chipsets recently, and uh, the NVIDIA Tegra 2 really stands out here, mostly in terms of marketing. Not long ago, uh, every other nerd would name Tegra 2 as a chipset for the tablet of their dreams. Matter of fact is, Tegra 2 has a rather severe RAM bandwidth issues, and performance-wise is notably inferior to both the Power VR SGX 543 MP2 and the Mali 400 MP. The marketing just really keeps them quiet about that. Well, and you know what's interesting? I've got a, um, a Tegra 2-based uh, Asus Transformer here, and it could be gingerbread, but it's absolutely the latest and greatest gingerbread. They've up, they up that, update that thing right away, and I wouldn't be surprised if I don't see ice cream sandwich on that thing within the month, too. But uh, it is slow uh, using the web on there. It, the browser, it's jerky and, and doesn't scroll smooth at all. This uh, The HP touchpad here with gingerbread, is it feels five times faster than that thing. So uh, I can definitely, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, if it's actually the RAM bandwidth here, but it, it definitely seems like it has issues. So I'm, uh, I want to jump here to the, the other part of his question. You know, um, I think it's correct to say that Sprint is going to use part of the 800 megahertz spectrum for LTE. We don't know the timing on what this is going to be, though. Um, but as we know, the old Nextel devices are still going to be using that spectrum for the next couple of years. Uh, so I think the initial build is not going to be in those bands. I think it's going to be on the 1900 megahertz bands. Keep in mind, too, it's also in conjunction with what they're doing with Clearwire and possibly with Light Squared, which are totally separate bands outside of that. So um, I think whatever Sprint does, we're going to eventually see it potentially coming to 800 megahertz. But I do not think that's going to be right away. Uh, you know, this fragmentation of the LTE bands is just, it, it's seemingly, as we predicted, getting worse, and it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse, and hopefully somehow we can uh, bring this in, but I, I just don't see that happening. It's, I think it's going to be a major issue. One thing I did not think about, and Anton, I'm really glad you brought it up, is the the fact that international roamers would be able to use that uh, potentially when they if they were to to do that deployment here. Also, we talked earlier in the show, of course, about AT and T rolling out LTE as well. So who knows about roaming partners and stuff like that? But that could also be something positive there too. 
Well, it could be. I mean, that could actually account for uh, a good bit of revenue. I mean, you're the only LTE international roaming partner for, you know, many, many countries devices, depending on, you know, the home country's network. So that that is a, a good possibility. Very good possibility. Very good news, too, if they were able to get that working, not only for them, but of course, for people who want to come and use the, the networks as well. Next is a question from Dan. He says, Mickey and Joey recently purchased an iPhone 4S on Verizon. I came from Android and I love it. I have a question about warranties for this device. I know uh, whether I don't know whether to use the device insurance through Verizon uh, or through which is offers it through Assyrian, which is kind of expensive, or if I should go through Square Trade or perhaps purchase Apple Care. I heard you, Mickey, mention on Unlock Show number 97, you had a pleasant experience with Apple and a replacement device. Your phone was probably still under manufacturer warranty, I would presume. I have no Apple stores close by, and all the options for insurance are certainly confusing. I would appreciate any input on this that you guys may have. Love both podcasts. They are the best. <laughs> Thank you guys for everything that you do. Happy holidays. Best wishes, uh, Dan. So here's a, a very interesting question, not something we typically talk about but dan let's uh let me kind of tell you first off in my experience i've been able to go through apple for issues uh, with my devices though of course it's been because they've been in that one-year warranty period as you mentioned apple care plus is a really good option for those uh that if you're looking to get insurance directly through apple it's 100 bucks it extends the warranty for two years and it provides low-cost replacement service for only 50 bucks for the device you get that twice during the first two years you own the device. So that is a very good option uh, and probably the, the one I would recommend the most. And also AppleCare, I would think, would be another good option. I don't believe you have to actually go to the store to use AppleCare. Nope. I think you can also do mail-in, can't you, with that? So yep. uh, it, it, it's not going to exclude you for that. And, and Apple service, uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody complain about Apple service. So uh, that's definitely a good contender as well. Now, if you decide that's not what you want to do, and I totally understand why, because there's no Apple store around you, why you may want to do that, Square Trade, uh, one of the sponsors of this show, uh, though not someone we talk about too much anymore, um, for $100, which is the same price as what you would get it through Apple, uh, they'll give you a $50 replacement of the device as well. Basically, they match what Apple Care does. Head over to squaretrade.com slash junkie, squaretrade.com slash junkie. That's how you can get that deal. Uh, and there are other warranties out there. Um, I would really probably shy against any of them, though. Um, I would probably choose for you, um, like I mentioned, you know, go the Apple Care route just because it's going to uh, allow for direct back to Apple replacement of it. Uh, though, if you do want to support the show, of course, the Square Trade option is going to be a good one as well. Um, and there's a lot of information on their website. You can go and read all about it. Um, they allow purchasing of the warranty at any time during ownership. Uh, so that's also a great one here. So if you cannot get in on the Apple Care Plus, I guess is what it's called for the iPhone, um, you can you can go and get the one from Square Trade. Uh, and once you have it, you're covered for two years, not two years uh, from the, the release of the device, but two years or when the, you bought the device, but two years from when you purchased the warranty. So that's also a better way to go. So maybe you want to lean towards Square Trade because of that. So two uh, pretty good options. I think either one you'd be happy with, either AppleCare Plus or Square Trade at squaretrade.com slash junkie. Next here is a comment from Craig. He says, Mickey, just wanted to drop you a note and say how much I enjoy the show. Uh, I recently decided to go all in on with some of your recent device uh, advice. Uh, you're, more specifically, with Air Video and the T-Mobile $30 data plan. I'm enjoying putting my media library on a media server in my home and watching my favorite shows on my iPad, i.e. Top Gear UK, as I type this. Now, first of all, I have to stop and say, Joey, is there a better show out there right now or ever? Has there ever been a better show than Top Gear UK? 
Um, I don't think so. I think that really is the, it, 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 it's, it's so different. It's hard to compare it to other shows, but that is, uh, it's excellent is really the only thing I can say, or I suppose I should really say brilliant is really the, the more apt term for that show, but it, it really is brilliant. It's got, uh, the humor, the action, uh, the absolute silliness and just the cohesiveness of the, uh, the presenters and of course the cars, it's just kind of a, it's kind of an all in show. I think yeah. If you're uh, if if you're a car aficionado, or you know, even if you just really like cars, or well, really, if you just own a car, or if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you've if you've ever seen a car in your life, you're gonna enjoy this show because they really do a really good job with it. It's a fun show. Anyway, I digress. Uh, uh, Craig also says I also have a Galaxy Nexus unlocked from the UK and the Samsung Galaxy S2 Skyrocket. My AT and T SIM is in my Samsung Galaxy S2, and my new T-Mobile SIM is in my Galaxy Nexus. I have HSPA Plus in my town, and I use it for data in Skype over 4G. Don't worry, I didn't just go and drop 700 bucks on your recent review on your podcast. I bought it as soon as I could, so even before you grabbed it. I'm fairly tuned into the mobile space. Also, my nine-year-old daughter likes using her iPhone 3GS with no carrier plan on Google Voice and Talkatone. Pretty clever, and I like the ability to restrict her use on our home Wi-Fi. Anyways, I'm not trying to gush or anything, just letting you know that I enjoy the shows, regular and unlocked, and I've taken your advice and on numerous occasions with rewarding success. Always looking forward to Sunday nights with the TCPJ show. P.S. Looking at the Slingbox to complete my media tech setup. Greg in Illinois. Well, Greg, obviously, thank you very, very much. Glad we've been able to give you some good advice and hardware and software recommendations and everything like that. Uh, you know, the Slingbox, uh, just to kind of round this out and, you know, maybe kind of tie up some more of your money is probably um, one of the things that I would say is essential to my mobile setup. I use it actually quite a bit, uh, not just for entertainment purposes, but also informational purposes. Um, I, I do like to jump on and check and see what's going on in the, the you know, the news around the world, or, um, I had a plane crash within a mile of, of my office this past week. And so, um, I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on. And of course I would not have been able to do it without the sling box because I was watching, uh, the coverage from the news helicopter that was literally hovering above my head, shooting down on the plane crash. And so stuff like that is just, it's almost invaluable, right? And it's its so nice to be able to do that. And uh, Slingbox does a great job. Uh, I would recommend, I think it's the HD model, uh, Slingbox Pro, I think is what it's called. Uh, it's a very nice model, uh, works very well. It has a QAM tuner in it, so you can get your HD channels as well uh, without actually having to have a separate box for it if your local cable provider allows for all that to come over. So, uh, and you, of course, you've got some service with them. So, uh, uh, some some you know a very good setup there. I think it is a very very good product, and I would highly recommend that as well. And again, thank you very much for writing in. I appreciate uh, the feedback on what you're doing. Uh, also, uh, from this week, a comment from Matt, also talking about this T-Mobile plan. He says, I wanted to check in with you about my experience with the T-Mobile monthly 4G $30 plan that includes 100 minutes, 5 gigs of data, and unlimited text. I purchased uh, my recent Galaxy Nexus from Negri Electronics like you did, and I was interested in the cheap plan that you used for testing. Uh, I didn't want to have to go to Walmart to pay for a phone that I would never use. So I checked on T-Mobile.com, and I saw that I could buy the SIM card for $5, and when it arrived, I would be able to pick my own monthly 4g plan and bring my own equipment to the network so i ordered the sim with my fingers crossed my galaxy nexus arrived the same day as with my t-mobile sim i popped the sim in the phone and went to t-mobile.com slash prepaid activation the page asks for an activation code the sim card serial number and your equipment imei 
The activation code in SimSerial came with the T-Mobile envelope and the SIM card. I entered in all three numbers with the IMEI being my Nexus's number. The next page had me enter in the standard uh, name, address, and other information. And the third page asked me to pick a plan. Sure enough, the $30 plan that you've discussed was available with the caveat for new activations only. I selected the plan. The SIM card came with a small amount, about $4, preloaded, with left me about $26 to pay. I gave T-Mobile my credit card, and away I went. I now have a $0 balance... uh, uh, and a month of access to the T-Mobile network. I can set up auto refill and all of the standard prepaid stuff. It was that easy. I attached a, a screenshot of the plan page, which shows, of course, the monthly 4G plans and uh, the one of the T-Mobile Walmart plan for the $30. Uh, as you can see from my speed test as well, I'm getting about 10 megs down on my Nexus and about 1.5 up. I'm in the Baltimore area. I just wanted to share my experience with the rest of the junkies out there looking for the same deal. Having said all that, the, I have a question for you guys. T-Mobile has roaming agreements with AT&T in certain areas that I've taken advantage of in the past. However, because of the band differences, I was always on edge and roaming on AT&T. Since the Galaxy Nexus has pentaband, is a pentaband device, which includes the 3G bands of both AT&T and T-Mobile, if I were to roam on AT&T in this fashion now, would I get 3D, 3G? Uh, thanks for everything you do. Keep up the excellent podcast and site. Well, Matt, first off, thanks for the insight. Um, one thing that I'll mention um, with this as well, this was kind of an interesting thing this week, is um, I decided that uh, I... I at the end of this month, I'm not going to end up using uh, the T-Mobile service anymore. This was just obviously a test plan that I got for the Nexus. And uh, so I wasn't going to use it anymore. So I figured, well, I'll just go and return it uh, to return the device that is. I mentioned on the last week's show that I spent $30 for the phone. Now, I was actually able to return that phone to Walmart. The SIM, however, uh, is still activated and working for me. So uh, it is possible to do it that way where you buy it, get the SIM, activate it, and then return the hardware. But I would say Matt's way sounds much easier just ordering the SIM. It's essentially free that way because it does come with some credit on it. um, And you get it in just a couple of days and, and go from there. So now on the AT&T question, because the device is pentaband, if you had a postpaid T-Mobile plan, what you're talking about, I think actually may work where you would be able to take that device and roam onto AT&T. If there's no T-Mobile service there, I think you would be able to get AT&T 3G service. However, uh, the T-Mobile plan that you have is a prepaid plan. And if you go to the T-Mobile website, they do not offer data roaming in accordance with their policies on prepaid plans. So unfortunately, you are going to not be able to use AT&T service when you're outside of your area. Yeah, and that's kind of common across prepaid services that they do not roam on other uh, carriers. Uh, you know, like Virgin Mobile, for example, they use a Sprint network, but they will not switch over to Verizon for data or uh, voice calls when you're outside of their native areas. So keep that in mind. You you could potentially have it if you had a postpaid plan, but prepaid, it's not going to happen. You're just going to be dead in the water, which is okay. Uh, you know, you're, you're only paying 30 bucks a month. So really doesn't that matter that much? Probably not. Next one is a question from Matt. He says, Mickey, I really enjoyed your coverage of the unlocked HSPA plus Samsung Galaxy Nexus in show 289, especially how you hooked it up with the T-Mobile plan. I was surprised to read in your review that you got 4G, 3G and edge data. I thought T-Mobile had funny bands for that data. Can you explain how the Galaxy Nexus was able to do this? And if the Galaxy S would work in the same fashion? Also, I would be interested in how uh, you knew which phones at Walmart were compatible with the $30 plan since I'm looking to do exactly what you did. Well, Matt, see previous question number one. Um, But uh, let me answer this in, in this way. 
the Nexus has Pentaband 3G. So it works on 3G data on 800, 900, 1700, 1900, and 2100 megahertz bands. That uh, fifth band, i.e. the 1700 megahertz, is what makes it work on T-Mobile. Um, so if you found a T-Mobile-enabled Galaxy S, uh, then you would able be able to use it with the 3G bands on T-Mobile as well. Uh, the Walmart SIM is interesting. The terms and conditions uh, on the Walmart site say that the plan will only work with devices purchased um, from Walmart. So uh, it's it's kind of weird, though. As we've talked about uh, and as, uh, as others have mentioned, it really can be put in any device. Um, how did I figure out which phone to buy? Well, I went to Walmart, and any phone that you buy there is a Walmart phone. And there's actually stickers on the boxes that say something like $30 plan, 5 gigs of data, you know, with a bunch of stars and asterisks. And, you know, this will, you know, self-destruct if you don't do it right. No, it doesn't say that. But anyway, um, I suppose this could change in the future where it doesn't work in other devices, depending on how many people take advantage of it. Um, but you know what? For the time being, I'm happy to give T-Mobile $30 a month for for the services um, in, the, in the way that I would have hoped for. Obviously, it's really nice to be able to just use it for data and texting and, you know, have a, some minutes on there in case you do get calls, but not really using it as your primary phone. So per, honestly, it is the uh, the optimal plan for me. I, uh, you know, if I, re- if I would have liked the Nexus a little bit more, I, I was seriously trying to figure out a way to cancel my AT&T plan because I also have a Verizon device as well. Um, but I, I just I just can't make it work, and I think the the Nexus is just a bit too big for my my, my taste. So, either way, though, it is very interesting. I, I'm I'm glad for your question as well because that is something. Um, you know, thirty bucks is how much the Walmart you know the cheapest phone at Walmart is. Um, although you know we just talked about it as well that uh, the other Matt said you know just go buy one from T-Mobile and and the, buy the SIM, have it shipped to you, and then activate it. New activations only though, guys. Keep that in mind if you decide to go and do this. Next is a comment from Julio. He says, guys, really enjoy the show. I believe it was either episode 289 or 288. You guys mentioned calendar sync issues using an Exchange account. I noticed this problem too, but only on accounts that are being run via Microsoft Exchange 2010. I'm not sure if it's something that needs to be fixed on the server end via a Windows update, but I'll look into this for you. Um, It is to note that Exchange works very well on the Verizon Galaxy Nexus and when using my Exchange 2007 and 2003 accounts. Also, it's to note that lots and lots of Exchange features have been added into ICS. One of my favorites is the ability to search messages on the server, but also you can now search the global address book from a post on a google employee that may interest you here's a few examples of the new features device management and exchange active sync ice cream sandwich updates exchange support to use the eas version 14.1 protocol adding eas policy support for limiting attachment sizes disabling attachment downloads enforcing manual sync while roaming and disabling the camera and also vpn support ice cream sandwich adds out-of-the-box support for pure ipsec vpns to support many commonly deployed vpn routers now joey i know a lot of that uh, is kind of exciting for you you uh you're a big exchange guy and so a lot of this is is going to make a lot of sense i still don't think that answers the question though of being able to only sync a calendar with your exchange server well no and it, it i think it's just part of the protocol and how they're implemented so i i don't think there's any way really around and i, I think it'll vary i don't i never tried it myself i'm got exchange 2008 running so I, i've never really tried it to just do a calendar only so i don't know about that specifically um, the, uh, built-in IPsec, that'll be real nice. I actually have a router, uh, that does support that to try out. So that'll be nice. And, and you showed me some of the screenshots of searching the server mm-hmm. for email. I mean, it brings it much more like iOS. Uh, it, it brings it much more modern. So that's uh, very exciting. I, I, I really am looking forward to those improvements big time. 
if you're a fan or, or user of Exchange, um, Ice Cream Santa, which really kind of takes it up a notch. If, if there's one thing that I would say is is still annoying, though, you can file stuff. Uh, you, so you can file stuff into folders, um, but it's it's not in any real good order. And, and to be fair, iOS is horrible as well when you decide to go and file stuff. I've got hundreds and hundreds of folders, and uh, it, it, it shows them to you on iOS in this kind of hierarchical order like you have in the sidebar in exchange so you kind of have an idea of how they are but on android it's in alphabetical order which honestly i think is one of the worst ways to do it i don't like alpha order for pretty much anything i don't see why we we organize things in alpha order order in in most cases usually there's a better way to sort but anyway it's really annoying because i'm looking at folders from you know 10 years back in my email and, and it's just it's not real good but the, all that said you still can file uh, and do things with folders on ice cream sandwich which is really really good so a lot of good stuff coming out from ice cream sandwich in uh w- with exchange support Finally today is a question from Jeff. He says, Mickey, looking at the new Nexus, little theme here this week, huh? Just played with one in the store. It's only slightly bigger than my Droid Incredible 2. Now that you've had it for a while, do you still think it's too big? I'm on the fence. I really like the size of my Droid Incredible 2. I got it uh, for free three weeks ago. LTE will not uh, be in my area until at least 2013, though. Well, here's the thing, Jeff. Um, I think the LTE version uh, is a much better size. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm I'm happy to use it and to use it, uh, you know, as uh, you know, it's it's much more comfortable to hold. Uh, I could probably figure it out, uh, if you will, you know, and if I had to use this as my device, I, I think I'd be plenty happy with it, more happy than with the unlocked version of it. Um, that thinness that we have on the HSPA model is, is just it's just a little strange. Um, and for me, the LTE version is much easier to hold. The size makes more sense. And I think it's going to be better for people with average sized hands. Um, I'm getting used to the size, these bigger screens, uh, but I still, you know, I I pick up the iPhone and it does feel smaller now uh, after spending a lot of time with, you know, the the Nexus, but um, it's still, it's not overly too small. And and I would say for a phone, I like being able to have something that's a little bit easier to manage and easier to hold. There's, there's an in-between size here though. I think a four inch device is probably where it's at. I I think this is the third time I've mentioned this on this show, um, that, that Nexus S I think is a better size, but you know what, if for, for everything that you can do with this device, um, it certainly is nice. And I think you would enjoy it. If you can, I would recommend you know, really going and spending a lot of time with this. And if you're still within your return period, the Incredible 2, yes, it's a good phone. Uh, but you know what? Ice Cream Sandwich, I think, brings a lot of great things to the table. And I would seriously consider doing the switch uh, if it makes sense for you. So anyway, that's my recommendation there. Now, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can give us a call, 206-203-3734, or send us email, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. We'll get your question or comment on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know if you have questions about Android, ice cream sandwich, a new T-Mobile plan, or something totally different. We'll be talking about all of it on the next show. Happy holidays, everybody. It's going to be Christmas this week. And of course, we'll talk about it on next week's show as well. So Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.